the future of photography. Aid, it's time for another crossover episode with film photography. Oh, well, you know I love a bit of film photography. <laughs> it is interesting. Okay, so let, let's let's just briefly look at 2017. 2017 is the year where over over 7 million Instax cameras were sold and over awesome. four, and over 45 million packs of Instax film. So people no, are clearly looking at that analog thing. A lot. So just, just let, let, sorry, I'm going to do some mental arithmetic here, right? And I'm going to simplify it. But um, at $10 a pack, and I know it, it, you can get the, uh, the the mini Instax possibly a bit cheaper than that if you buy it in bulk. But at $10 a pack, that would be $450 million of revenue. That's a that's a large business. The Instax is, is Fujifilm's biggest cash con. Has been for, I think, three years in a row at least. So people are clearly looking at that analog thing. They're clearly looking at kind of a different experience, at a more haptic experience, at getting, uh, yeah, getting a picture in their hand. Uh, the uniqueness of these photos is something like they are one of a kind usually. So there, there, there are no infinite duplicates as in digital photography. Uh, on the other hand, what's also been happening over the last years is that a lot of, for lack of a better word, let's call them makers, people who like to make own their own things, who might have a little workshop and uh, get interested. Um, a lot of these people have become interested in uh, new, well, in manufacturing te technologies that were not really available to the public in in a bigger way, but now have become that. And uh, one of those things is CNC routing. This mm. is like uh, taking material off of wood or off of plastics and uh, shaping material with a CNC machine. You can now get home CNC machines, which was in the realm of the big, big factories uh, up to just a few years ago. Oh, yeah. I used to, uh, man, many years ago, I used to have a job in, a, in an engineering firm and, and one of the plants they had was a... Uh, uh, a factory floor that had you know 30 40 enormous you know, right. sort of water-cooled cutting machines that were that run all, all run by cnc code right now imagine one of these being on your desk hmm? that size of a size of a bigger printer. <laughs> that's a big desk <laughs> well size of a bigger printer a small version of that the yeah. the entire tool chain the the 3d design things like uh, fusion 360 and other things are available to everyone. There is a bunch of uh, CAD CAD programs out there, online, offline, that that are free to use for hobbyists and a really powerful tool. So the, the, the tools you know, uh, become do, available. Is it is it Autodesk? I forget which one. It's one of the major things. So when I started out, you know, in, in my career, some some years ago, um, you, you used to, to to run CAD stuff. You used to have to have some kind of Unix workstation. Oh uh, yeah, or, oh yeah, uh, definitely. But now and, now Autodesk brought out Fusion three hundred and sixty. Has been around for a while. I've uh, have some first hand experience with it, and it's free if you're a hobbyist. Um, th that is a, a CAD CAM co computer aided design, computer aided manufacturing tool that pretty much is is a one-stop shop to not only uh design things but then also have a materialist and and 
and plug that output into like a CNC router or a laser cutter. Those have become at least uh, ubiquitous in like maker spaces where people have easier access to them. You can cut wood, you can cut plastics, you even can cut metal in some cases. And uh, the, the third manufacturing technique is FDM, fusion deposition modeling, which is a very Ooh. fancy term for 3D printing. Ah, like where okay. where you where, <laughs> where you <laughs> where you deposit material on top of each other in layers, and this way you build up uh, a print in the z-axis. Mostly plastics these days, but also other materials. Um, there's certainly ways to do this to print metal this way. The sinter uh, printers, for example, um, and a, a 3D printer nowadays is affordable. We're talking sub 100 euros for a decent 3D printer. These have become That's... cheap. I mean, they're still not plug and play. You still need to learn how to use them. But they are available. There's a big choice. There's a big market there. And they are very accessible. The 3D modeling software is free. The slicing software that you need for it is free. And all you have to do is buy one of these machines, uh, buy the, the according filaments that you want to print with, the material, and uh, then... You you are able to print stuff, and yes, it takes effort, but it is possible now. It's it's accessible. It's financially accessible for a lot more people than it used to be. And then, if you add in the the next level of like manufacturing, which is more based on the crowdfunding side, Kickstarter and so on, now all of a sudden, regular people turn into designers and manufacturers. And that's an interesting thing. Yeah. And manufacturing, I mean, it's hard. There's lots of learning. <laughs> Remember when desktop publishing became the big thing and we were flooded with a bunch of horrible designs <laughs> because now everyone thought they were the, 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 the best designer in the world. But I think that still happens, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But you know that the demo democratization, if that's a word, that allows everyone to kind of learn and make mistakes without breaking the bank. So that has become in interesting for the camera world, especially for the analog camera world, because um, we see a few projects. We've seen a few projects coming out, and I want to just just ex uh, just pick a couple, two, three, four of them, to um, yeah, to, to to look into where this is going. Intrepid, I think, good example. Intrepid cameras are uh, as, a, as a British company i think you did mm, you, yeah. you interviewed the founder on sunny 16 uh yes we have done yep uh which is a very it's an awesome oh. interview definitely recommend that episode 111 uh -oh. and uh what? sorry, sorry. Go, on. <laughs> go ahead go ahead no, no i was going to say that that i, I was going to say uh, and i was going to correct you because i know we've spoken to uh to steve lloyd from the chroma camera but um uh, maybe the intrepid one was one i wasn't on <laughs> i think i think it probably was you're no right. no yes, episode 111 right. i have uh have proof i have a link to prove it oh, um, that's really, that's embarrassing isn't it when i don't even know what's been on my own <laughs> podcast <laughs> i was away that week in my defense <laughs> doesn't matter intrepid is yeah it's a, it's a large format camera four by five inch large format camera and they um, they use these manufacturing methods. They use CNC routers. They make this from a thick plywood, and it is uh, at this point. Let me just check the price point. Intrepid is available at two hundred and fifty pounds. So you can get a 
4x5-inch camera, a newly built 4x5-inch camera for 250 pounds, which is just wild. The price point uh, is just crazy. <laughs> it, 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 when you consider how expensive these things would have been historically, exactly. to be able to do that and get a new one at that price is, is just awesome. Yeah. Then there is another one that uh, was uh, was successfully funded on Kickstarter, and that's an almost entirely 3D printed camera. That's They, they call that the standard 4x5, which is, um, well, it looks like a traditional 4x5 camera. They have a few metal parts in there just to, for stability, but uh, it's what we would call a monorail camera. It has a front standard, a back standard on a on a piece of, I think this is an aluminum profile and uh, they um, but the, the all parts are all other parts are pretty much 3D printed apart from the bellows um, again we're talking $250 in that range so again not not that expensive compared to some of the other uh, handmade ones I've, we still have to see that one come out so I'm not saying anything about the usability and quality of these things, but they are there. Um, third one I have come across is the Chroma. Chroma uses, uh, I think, a combination of 3D printing, but uh, also of laser cutting, because they cut parts out of uh, out of some acrylic material, something. Yeah, I think pink, so. Um, blue, uh, red, if- different colors. I need I need to go and ask Rachel, my my uh, co-host on Sunny Sixteen, because she's actually used one. Um, she she actually had one of the very early prototypes of the Chroma to do a professional job for, um, and if I remember rightly, that particular job was for a uh, a retail center, big shopping center in in Birmingham, and I think they, they they've printed out stuff that's. Yeah, uh, you know, two meters by one meter, and it's oh. being used in commercial spaces. Her her work is being used in commercial spaces, awesome. and that was shot with the chroma. Now, I've I've heard mixed uh, mixed messages about the chroma. I think if you're careful, you can make it do amazing things, but it uh, also seems to be a bit fiddly. <laughs> from from what I heard, <laughs> well, from it's, ones. it's a large format camera. It's going to be fiddly, isn't it? <laughs> it is for certain. It is. So uh, that is um, that is a pretty cool project. Then uh, let me open this one. Last but not least, there's one that I think is kind of my my favorite. Probably not from a usability point of view because it is uh, again, it's a 3D printed one. We're still four by five cameras. And it's called a camera dactyl. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen that? I I, I have. It, it um it, it looks extraordinarily colourful. It looks like what would happen if Fisher Price made it is, a large it is, format camera. Exactly. <laughs> it should it should have been titled my first four by five camera. Yeah. Um, it certainly looks like a Fisher Price toy. Um, I would expect it to be somewhat usable, but probably more. Um, my my guess is it's probably more for. Uh, putting out as a display but then i haven't used it yet but that's one that i found so interesting just from its playfulness from from taking from taking film photography into a really playful field that i have actually backed that one so i'm waiting for the project to be delivered and let's see it's a fun little joyful thing Uh, again we're talking uh, 200 
$30, I think. So. Yeah, no, none of these things are coming through as expensive. It's probably important to say that also none of them are coming with lenses. Um, uh, with so large format cameras, yeah, that's the case. But then you can get a used lens for, yeah, relatively small money if you if you look in the right places. Yeah, but, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. But w- what does that do to the future of photography? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you started talking about this by talking about Instax. So, uh, you know, clear, clearly there's a market for this stuff. Um, there is a market. I think it brings more experimentation back into photography. It uh, g- gives people an outlet for the creative urge of trying trying new things. Um, it also democratizes the the field of large format photography in this specific case because everyone now pretty much can have a 4x5 camera if they want to but then also everyone can build one I think some of these are open source so you can just download the files and print yourself on a 4x5 camera or <laughs> yes or you have someone print it for you I have, I've had 3D stuff that I designed and then sent out for someone else to print and uh, send it back to me there are companies that do that now it, it, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff flying through my mind actually have you have you um uh read any of the uh one particular i'm just gonna have to look up the name of it uh it might be the most recent or the last william gibson novel i haven't read that yet no so uh, uh i know you know who he is yes of course <laughs> uh but 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 for for others uh william gibson is credited with being the inspiration in some ways behind the matrix series of movies um which links back to a book that he wrote uh quite some time ago i want to say in the 80s called neuromancer 1984 Um, neuromancer that's that was was, that was the big novel by william gibson and everyone who hasn't read that it's it's still it's still on the top of the list for me yeah and he's credited as being one of the founders of the sort of cyberpunk movement of of literature and and movies and and things like that um and but he did write recently and i I read it only came out a couple of years ago so i'm gonna have to quickly try and and find a i have it uh, up up, i think the last book by him is the peripheral there was a the blue end trilogy pattern recognition spook country zero history and then the peripheral is kind of outside of that think you must have been must have been the peripheral then um but the, the it's set at some point in the not too distant slightly dystopian future um as many sci-fi novels are <laughs> but he talks a lot about 3d printing there and 3d printing is kind of a it, it's just the way people get stuff right that nobody goes to shops to buy stuff anymore or anything like that it's just if you want something you just go down the, go down you know to your local downtown area or whatever and um uh, and and get your 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 you know, uh, street corner printer, you know, in, in their shop to to print you whatever it might be. Yeah, you know, it so it's be like a, it's like the copy shops now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good analogy. Yes, um, uh, it, that is a very good analogy. So it's um, yeah, it's it, it was a, an interesting um, uh, 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 an interesting thing really for for me to to think about where three D printing might take us because you know uh, whilst. <laughs> whilst large format photography is something that both enthralls me and not scares me but makes me think oh that's an awful lot of work 
<laughs> you know, to print, yeah, you know, to 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 use the cameras and then to uh, take the film and develop it and print the photos and things like that. It's probably a bit more than I'm prepared to put the effort into, to be honest. Until you um, until you tried it and then you're hooked. <laughs> oh well, yes, I do. Well, so I know it's something that you enjoy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. um, uh, so it would be good to hear what what you think about the uh, the camera dactyl then when you get it. Um, yeah, I will report back <laughs> my colorful <laughs> camera. Um, yeah, but that's I think uh, enough. Just a little bit of food for thought about what new manufacturing methods might do to photography. We, we by the way, we could have gone on because there are other projects that that have been uh, crowdfunded that are more on the SLR side on smaller camera sides. But this is just something yeah. that that came through my inboxes, and uh, yeah, four by five. Being well, it is potentially a good answer to the question about what happens when all the film cameras break. You can because just make a new one. <laughs> you just make a new one because yeah, it's been an you know with the resurgence of film photography, one of the issues that's not going to hit us yet, maybe not even for a few years, but it is that unless somebody actually starts making new film cameras then you know, th at some point there won't be any film cameras. So it doesn't matter how interested people are in analog photography. <laughs> you and I will be both shutting down our analog photography podcast at that point, unless there's any more cameras. <laughs> <laughs> True. And I'll tell you what, just, just, just from re more recent news and very much digital news, um, maybe as a little light-hearted ending to the show, um, with all the announcements uh, of... Uh, large for not large format forgive me um full frame digital mirrorless cameras that have been out and about recently and a huge amount of noise about the fact that uh, several of them only have one card slot um have you seen the meme that's going around which is simply a photograph of a large format film holder that just says underneath it <laughs> the original dual card slots I've seen that <laughs> <laughs> and if if you know what a film holder looks like then yeah you you will find this funny too yes most importantly uh, a film holder holds two pieces of film so yes. therefore it's got two card slots right <laughs> only two photos <laughs> all right that brings episode 47 to an end and we'll be back in a week from now with um yeah, let's find out with what until then take care bye You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 